Welcome to Unfurling, a podcast that explores the power of the natural world to inform and inspire. I'm Katrina. And I'm Elizabeth. So welcome to our seventh episode. I'm quite amazed we've uh, we've got this far, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. Um, yeah. And it's been fun as well. I really genuinely look forward to each um, conversation we have and um, it's fun. Yeah, it's, um, it's it's nice to kind of see something kind of come out of a germ of an idea and actually, you know, see something through as well. So um, mm. let's see what emerges from today. And today we are focusing uh, on a topic of renewal. And I guess how this came about as an idea was um, last time when we were talking, we, you know, we weren't talking about this on the actual podcast um, on health, but we we did um, have a conversation privately about um, Chernobyl and thinking about the renewal that's been seen there in terms of wildlife and trees and the environment there. And kind of was that, you know, replication? Was that a healthy renewal? How are those plants and animals actually, you know, faring? But it did kind of spark that idea about, you know, what can we learn from the natural world in terms of renewal? So we both got quite excited about it, didn't we, Elizabeth? Mm. Like as a, as a yeah. concept. And then, and then we thought, is this the right time mm. <laughs> for this topic? Because, you know, we're going, at least in, in Britain, um, we're going into winter. Uh, we are also going into differing levels of lockdown again with COVID. So I'm in London, so we're in tier two, which is high. Um, it's mm. kind of the middle one. So things are getting restricted again conscious of other world events going on you know we've got the upcoming American elections there's just lots going on in the world and yeah so part of us is very drawn to the topic and then part of us is this the right time Um, so if you want to add anything to that Elizabeth I think that's um that feels true and I think for me what kind of came to mind was the reality of renewal or lack of renewal so um, right now maybe there are things we wish we could see renewal in whether that's politics or um, fabric of society or the environment whatever it might be but then there's also the hope of renewal so I when I think of renewal I think of the word hope following quite closely I mm. think I think of it as as there's a hopefulness to it um, or there can be um, so then the question is kind of how are we how where are we looking for signs of renewal you know like when we're in winter um it can feel never-ending and dark and cold and yet the little signs whether it's shoots poking out the ground or buds forming on the trees these are Mm. these are the, the the signs of hope that spring will come and in fact is coming so for me renewal is it's something about a signpost to what could be uh, a hope of something that that could be that isn't necessarily always better but it mm. but it's simply an evolution or uh, a more appropriate version of something um mm. recognizing that you know everything is in flux and nothing really stays the same what comes up for you Kat when you think of renewal and as you approach this um conversation today well, it's interesting. I was just slightly joking before we got on the call. I got a free uh, cosmetic product that came through the post yesterday mm. uh, called Perfect Canvas. And it's a primer for those of you who know what primers are. I won't go into the details now. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the back, it, it talks about having probiotic extract to aid surface cell renewal. 
And I'll go into it in more detail later, but when I think of renewal, I do think uh, both kind of biologically and physiologically about, you know, cells and body parts and things like that, which I find quite fun and interesting. Um, and then, there, are, yeah, it's kind of looking at those different dimensions, not just purely physical. Um, and perhaps if I might, actually, rather than going into detail now, if we if we do some definitions, I feel like that might be important mm. um, and then see where that takes us. Because I looked at my trusty Cambridge Dictionary and this week it didn't quite do it for me. I'm going to show you a couple of the definitions. But it, yeah, I guess when you ask what is renewal for me, let's just say it's not necessarily just what's said in the Cambridge Dictionary this week. So I've got two to share with you. Uh, one is the act or process of making changes to something in order to improve it so that it becomes more successful. So it's that kind of idea of betterment, really. Mm. And then the second definition is a situation in which something begins again after having stopped for a period of time. So it's kind of like betterment and kind of restarting, I guess. It's interesting that the idea of something improving and becoming more successful as well I sort of I notice a slight prickling when you when you use the phrase becoming more successful Mm. um I don't know what I don't know why that is but it is I guess it's you know what's the difference between um something improving and becoming better and then simply just evolving and Mm. um is 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 evolution and renewal always leading to something better Perhaps it is actually, or is certainly more adapted or appropriate for the kind of current context. Yes, I guess it depends on your view of success as well, mm. how that plays in. Yeah, so for me, kind of these, you know, they're definitely, they make sense and that they will be part of this podcast. Um, I think when I think about renewal, I kind of go back to uh, a definition that we talked about in the last episode on health. Um, that's from the Natural Academy. Um, now, this is about well-being. I'll read it out again. But in my mind, I think this can apply equally to the idea of renewal. Um, so well-being is a personal state and experience related to holistic health outcomes. These holistic outcomes are the sum of our psychological, emotional, physical, social, ecological and spiritual health. And for me, that kind of idea captures renewal much more comprehensively. So for me, renewal can be about, you know, our emotions, our psychology, like how are we doing? How can we come through darker, more tricky times in a renewed way? And as you say, it may not be the same as before. It may be in a more helpful way. It may just be in a different outlook. And then through to kind of the physical sense. Um, I'm really interested in the kind of social and ecological, that more systems way of thinking about renewal. And then spiritual, what does that look like? So I guess I'm in my mind, I'm kind of keeping those six different dimensions loosely in my brain as we talk today and as we, you know, as we learn from the natural world um, on this topic. Yeah, that feels um, that feels appropriate. And I think be interesting to see where we're led. I think particularly at the moment of, of those six dimensions you've just talked about, the ecological piece feels particularly relevant, you know, as we think, and we've talked about this before, but, you know, as you think about climate change and what is that doing to um, the natural world, um, what is it doing to us as well? Mm. Um, and therefore kind of actually those six dimensions, they all intertwine, which is mm. fascinating. You know, how does the ecological 
um, kind of well-being? How does that dovetail with spiritual well-being, for example? Mm. Um, and I think it does. You know, I can't, I can't, that makes me actually think of, for example, origin stories in Christianity of the Garden of Eden and mm. um, how early um, development of, of humankind was in that garden wilderness setting. Um, mm. So I think I think they're naturally intertwined, but it'll be interesting to see what that looks like today. Yeah. I also have an image that's just popped in my mind of um, thinking of the Garden of Eden, of the snake in the tree, um, <laughs> and just the way that snakes shed their skin. Um, you know, they're renewing. And it isn't, it isn't with them, I guess, about becoming better. Rather, it's about fitting their shape. So they renew so that they can, you know, exist in the, in the, in the best way possible. It makes me think it's not betterment, but it's about becoming more appropriate for your... Mm size your shape your surroundings so really adaptation and evolution mm. yeah and we haven't really got a a structure that we're using today I don't know if we're just getting lazy or <laughs> <laughs> or maybe more confident or yeah. what's, what, what's going on with us but um yeah yeah we decided we've got some kind of ideas and thoughts that we'll, we'll share and and also kind of questions you know we might want to pose to each other we're conscious sometimes mm. um we well we haven't really done that in the past and yet ironically both of us are coaches so mm. <laughs> we spent a lot of, spent a lot of time asking people questions um yeah. so yeah. we're just going to be a bit more free flowy um and see where this topic goes yeah absolutely and I think I think we're also both very interested in you know science and um behavior and so on so I, I suppose we've also enjoyed kind of presenting facts and presenting mm. ideas um but yeah as that kind of softens into genuinely more of a conversation um and intertwining examples as they come up mm. um I think we're kind of relaxing into that a bit aren't we yeah and I think also you know you as a listener you know if there are particular parts that are interesting you you know there always are in the references details to studies or to articles or books so you know mm you're very welcome to kind of go into more depth with those outside of the mm. podcast too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. So having those six dimensions um, to play with, I guess, and we might, you know, we might not focus in on all six um, today, but kind of likely it's like Tinkerbell's uh, going mm. in and out of them. But mm. as the six I mentioned, Elizabeth, like which one calls to you first? Well, I think like I've touched on at the moment, the ecological one particularly calls out to me. I mean, they all do in different ways. And and, and as I say, I think they all do intertwine. I think it's hard to renew and find wholeness and well-being in one without also doing the same in the others. Mm. Um, But yeah, just thinking about the ecological bit for a moment. There was a quote that popped out at me recently from the author of The Lord of the Rings, um, Mm. J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, And this was in a letter he was writing to his son in uh, the 1940s. Um, And there was a line and it said, certainly there was an Eden on this very unhappy earth. Mm. And um, it sort of just made me pause. um, And the idea, and actually I touched on it earlier, that idea of the Garden of Eden. And he sort of speaks like, you know we used to have that Eden but perhaps we don't have it anymore yeah and it got me um thinking and I sort of looked up some of the um some thinking around the Garden of Eden and and that story and 
at one point in the Genesis story, um, Adam and Eve are told to keep the garden. And the word keep in the original Hebrew is the word, I don't know how you pronounce it, but shamar or shamar, S-H-A-M-A-R, which means a loving care. Mm. So that idea of, you know, because we can think of things being kept or, or keeping it and it becomes a bit kind of, at worst, keeping something against its will. But, mm. you know, when we add in that dimension of loving care and, and being told to keep the garden and, and the whole of the earth, I would say, with that loving care, you know, how are we doing that now? And I was just kind of mm. thinking about that. And, you know, I, um, locally in my um, town, there is a group that, that, that plants and looks after tiny little corners of earth, you know, and, and edges of paths and um, pavements and things. And they're full of wildflower seeds and, and lovely things. And I just, that is a really lovely example, I think, of loving care for a tiny space. But it can also extend over the whole earth as well. And I think all the kind of, you know, international talks at the moment on climate change and the Paris Agreement and, and everything. This is an example of, should be an example of global scale loving care. Mm. Um, but we don't often hear that word love or even care mm. in those kind of high level, often quite technical talks. Um, so it's a bit of me that would love to see the idea of loving care come back into our conversations and efforts on protecting you know, whether it's rainforests or um, restoring the climate or looking after our soil. So I'm kind of interested in the language around all of this. If it mm. becomes purely technical and about targets and about money and tech and, and all those things, which are important, but what it, where is our starting place for this? And for me, the, the loving care piece feels most true. You know, I love the, the you know, our allotment. I love the local woods um, and that kind of love, I, I believe, can lead to care um, and protection. It, it's, it reminds me actually of a, a quote that I, I came across while preparing for this around that idea of care. Um, it's by Wenzel Berry, um, who we've, I think we've quoted before, yeah. who's um, yeah, he's an American novelist, poet, um, essayist, environmental activist and farmer. And the quote is, the care of the earth is our most ancient and most worthy, and after all, our most pleasing responsibility. To cherish what remains of it and to foster its renewal is our only hope. Mm, cherishing. I love that. Um, how do we cherish each other? How do we cherish the earth? And I think it makes me sad when language like that, I think for a lot of people, it can then very quickly um conjure the sort of stereotypical image of um the tree hugger which then in turn makes me think of the role of the media you know how how is the media and our kind of public discourse how are we talking about cherishing and caring and loving um the natural world in a way that is something we can aspire to so yeah i think it's how do we how do we bring in that sense of care and cherishing and then it also kind of gets me thinking about you know what that kind of looks like in practice um and again I think last time I was speaking a bit about farming and land and soil and I think of the soil and I think of you know us humans and, and animals too need food to eat and to get that food we have to grow it it doesn't just mm. magic out of thin air if we're going to grow it we need healthy soil um and again there is um some research done that projects 
or suggest we might have only kind of, I think about 60 um, soil cycles left. So 60 cycles of being able to grow crops on the earth um, before it just becomes effectively desert and, and doesn't have the nutrients we need to grow. So, you know, how do we care for the soil? Um, and there is some thinking around that. Obviously, it needs a lot more organic matter to kind of break down because it's that organic matter that turns ultimately into um, food. But I, but I was kind of reading a bit about the um, the idea of almost kind of two keys to unlock um, the potential of the soil to to regenerate and and mm. and this is um, so the fungus that lives in the soil and also the bacteria that live in the soil. If we can nurture and cherish these tiny things that we can't really see, in turn they will you know better break down organic matter and they will renew and regenerate the soil yeah so so healthy soils um should be thriving with this kind of micro um microscopic bacteria and fungus and so on and in a healthy soil organic matter is broken down by the microbes so if you take the microbes and fungus out of the soil it organic matter doesn't break down um and that sort of food supply and nutrient supply isn't available to our crops so there is, you know, there's a lot of conversation going on at the moment around how do we revive um, mm. soils used for farming and ultimately to feed us. So I think, you know, starting with the soil as a place for very practical renewal feels like mm. something you know, we can either learn about, read about or, act, you know, actively practice, whether that's on an allotment. If we're a farmer, you know, how can we think about this on our land? Yeah. So I think the soil is a really under rated or certainly under talked about um, place to begin that sense of renewal it also you know locks in carbon um, and obviously if we're going to decelerate the rate at which climate change is happening we need to be um, locking carbon dioxide into the soil and, and into other things as well so that's in my mind it also I was thinking um, of a time when I lived in Zambia working for um, a charity um, and one weekend I was invited to come and um, help out in a bush burning um, mm. trip. And this was something that was done annually to burn back all the dry, tangled undergrowth and make way for new life and, and new seeds to um, do their thing. And it was fascinating and terrifying. You know, we had to kind of run down the edge of these vast areas of dry grass and light it with a torch and it just caught because it was so dry and this fire was you know it felt like it was as big as a house and it just moved across the land and it was so hot and such a, a sight you know it felt I felt like I was in a, a film set or something <laughs> and you know what was left was you know albeit dry soil but now dry soil that had ash and nutrients put back mm -hmm. into it um to leave space for new growth so this idea of fire kind of clearing away for a new life I find fascinating and then that made me think of a poem by T.S. Eliot um, it's in his uh, four quartets collection um, and in a poem called Little Gidding there's a line let me just find it he talks about the only hope or else despair lies in the choice of pyre of of pyre to be redeemed from fire by fire mm. and he sort of goes on and uses that fire imagery but the idea of being redeemed or perhaps renewed regenerated from 
scary things like fire by fire itself you know how is fire renewing the land how is how is that renewing us through food or whatever it might be um and also recognizing that some seeds also rely on fire to germinate which i find quite interesting what i love that you've been kind of pointing to in those examples is yeah that not not everything's amazing and yet there's still hope you, know, you talked right at the beginning of the podcast about the idea of hope and, and seeing that in action you know whether it's through learning about how to to use soil you know more wisely or to to enhance it whether it's mm. using fire to burn you know land to allow for further growth um and I really appreciate that and yet <laughs> there's something mm. in me that that also feels important to say is that you know whilst we're on the topic of renewal like not everything does renew obviously unfortunately all of us are aging and will eventually die there's something for me around um you mentioned about the burning of you know and and you mentioned briefly earlier about rainforests and just to kind of pick up on that point I read a, an article in the BBC uh, about a study um that's been done I, I'm not sure if it's been published yet or it hadn't been published as of February this year but it, it's kind of in the in the offing and essentially it's been a 10-year study um, done by a team of scientists led by Professor Luciana Gatti, um, a researcher at Brazil's National Institute for Space Research. And basically, they've been measuring greenhouse gases by flying aircraft fitted with sensors over different parts of the Amazon basin. Mm. And, and what is looking really worrying is that um, up to one-fifth of the Amazon rainforest is emitting more CO2 than it absorbs. So traditionally... The rainforest has been this great kind of um, sink, essentially, or a carbon store of CO2, you know, taking it in, um, which slows the pace of global warming. But as we've had more and more deforestation, and we've lost millions of you know, trees to logging and fires in recent years, that balance is shifting. And I guess, uh, you know, not wanting to be negative, but at the same time, it's 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 appreciating and finding the hope and the practical bits for renewal but actually also where renewal in the in the form that it was so you know the rainforest won't suddenly emerge as they were you know if maybe trees will get planted but maybe there'll be a savannah we don't know um it's really you know our, our political will to protect things like rainforests just feels so important and i guess mm-hmm. that's something here for me about maybe this is a takeaway is how do we actually help affect that that political will you know when it's not necessarily in our own country so yeah I guess yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling kind of like a bit of a the breadth about renewal you know that it's mm. wonderful and great and it can evolve and things can adapt but also sometimes it just won't happen mm. and, what, and what do we do then yeah because when I think of fire I think I was obviously sort of talking about renewal but I guess the reality mm. is is that fire can consume as well and it's mm. um yeah it it can consume it can renew and I think as you say it's it's not all just about keep never ending making everything Mm. new something has its seat you know some things have their season everything has its season Mm. probably and the other evening we were watching a BBC documentary about ancient civilizations um Mm. I I get a bit nerdy with this stuff I find it (laughs) fascinating um and you know at the height of it was the Roman Empire or the Mayan civilization in Central America um, and many others, you know, they thought that was it and they were kind of in charge and they were having their day. And then I think with the Mayans, it was effectively drought and, and not having um, 
clean fresh water that led to their downfall so even these wonderful civilizations in the you know the mayans gave us forms of calendars and they invented the the concept of zero and they're really smart um smart people but they had their season too so it's the idea of again evolution i suppose and everything being appropriate to its time so yeah kind of recognizing that some things do have their season and yet when i think about what you've just been sharing cat about the rainforest um I, you know we don't want the rainforest to just have a season we want it to to be there and to nurture the earth so how do you what comes up for you when when i kind of talk about seasons and as we go back to your thoughts on rainforests yeah i mean I'm, yeah i conscious yeah as you're talking about everything ever season. i was kind of feeling a bit agitated i was like no mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and, and yet oh, sorry i'm so agitated that my little um pops thing that you put in front of the microphone just fell down <laughs> it's like no no stop um yeah and, and I, I guess there's a question right so at the moment for example Brazil is choosing politically you know to prioritize development economic development over conservation mm-hmm. and and you know I don't live in Brazil I'm not Brazilian I don't have you know so it's kind of how do we honor what's going on in a, in a particular country and the politics that people are choosing and yet this is this is stuff that goes beyond countries really this is uh, I hate to say resource because you know do we even want to be using it but this is something that is really helping our planet breathe <laughs> you know? but it's being it's being chopped down so I guess what it brings up in me is, is uh, two things part, partly a sense of um, powerlessness and like not knowing what to do and then partly there's some sort of resolve it's you know to and perhaps we talk about some takeaways it's like well what can we do you know and and Mm. what action can we take and what can we do locally as well you know where we do have um you know more power so whether that's you know in our local parks through to forests you know how can we get involved with that um Mm. I notice a resistance to it and it's, you know whereas like in general I agree about seasons and I, mm. I think there's lots of wisdom there but there's something about keeping the things that really will help the world and humanity. Yeah and as you speak about that I think correct me if I'm wrong but I, I'm sure we've had conversations about when you were um, a teenager and kind of being really into um, mm. you know, conservation and those kind of campaigns and so I guess for you that drive and that desire to nurture and protect um is is something quite deep-rooted well I think it's partly to do with my parents you know they're involved Mm. in conservation and yeah maybe I took that on as an identity as a teenager a bit you know Mm. (laughs) um, and as a child um and yeah I feel like I've kind of let that go a bit I mean I still you know do things with Greenpeace but but not to the same extent as I did as a teenager There's, there's further for me to go I think again in this work mm. so um so almost a kind of renewal of your own um mm. journey with this stuff you know renewing our own individual um stories and um you know who we are that those kind of early identities which we can often lose in the kind of craziness of life there's some I'm hearing something about yeah renewal of that mm. that passion yes. it's kind of yeah it's like renewing that value and and, and yet it's kind of thinking about, well, what, how can I do that? And what's, how am I going to be most useful? So it's kind of becoming more aware of what I offer the world um, and what my place is, you know, within this big jigsaw. 
as you say, it's what can, what it's what, how am I, how am I shaped? What are my passions? What gets mm. me going? And then how do I offer that to the world? Um, I was listening to a talk the other day by some academics who've just um, come out with a new book about politics. And I found myself getting really frustrated because they were coming at it from a very kind of thoughtful academic point of view. And yet they were saying things like, uh, you know, we don't need any more people marching on the streets and mm. We don't need more passion. And I found myself really resisting that because <laughs> I think absolutely we, we do. You know, we've always needed peaceful protests, marches, um, people raising their voices and yet acknowledging that a lot of people find that very hard. So, you know, for the people that, you know, are academics and are shaped that way and, and write their books, wonderful. But I don't think it should be either or that or kind of passion and marching on the streets I think it's it's as you say what what can I do using my strengths my passions my interests my experience to you know be a, a, a piece of the jigsaw in what is a huge jigsaw puzzle I'm really interested in the relationship between us as individuals and the collective and I mm-hmm. do think that the more we can bring out our ideas individual uniqueness and shape and everything the better we serve the whole and the better we serve the kind of collective um direction and vision that we sort of should be going in so whether that's as you say restoring protecting rainforests or international talks on climate change or whatever it might be i think it's so easy to think oh gosh what can i do i'm just one person and it's a drop in the ocean but if everybody lived uh, that kind of true shape and work to the absolute strengths I think that better serves those big complex problems yeah it's um I guess kind of moving to yeah more of that I guess it's still in the kind of ecological and sort of system but thinking about social side of um renewal as you're talking you know the individual within that that wider network like we talked about you know several episodes ago networks and mm-hmm connections um it reminds me of um thinking about elephants when an elephant's looked after by humans how to renew that bond and part of being part of a group when you've been away um i was uh, doing some research into this before the, the call and there's a, an article that goes into a lot more detail about this um and it quotes brett mitchell of the elephant reintegration trust he says that in all cases of stage reintegration giving elephants time and choice in the process. Not a single elephant has ever returned to its captive boma. The bottom line is that elephants need space, social interaction with other elephants and the environmental enrichment. They need to be free to exercise choice. And these are the ingredients for true welfare. We've talked before about elephants, so I won't go into huge detail, but there's something here about how do we Especially at this time when we've talked, you know, it's, it just feels a very complex time socially and around the world. How do we renew ourselves as a society? How do we welcome in people that have been away or have been lost? How do we welcome in people that have different views to our own? Not that we're trying to change them, but how can we integrate so that we can work better as a society? I think the elephant example is fascinating. And also um, what I found myself thinking of was, so I did some research some years back on the reintegration of child soldiers um, when Mm. I was um, doing a master's. And 
it's fascinating. I mean, I know it's a completely different context, but just the idea of reintegration and, and what what conditions and support structures and things need to be in place for children that have been fighting and doing awful things for them to come back into society and find themselves again and be welcomed back again. And there are a few things that came out, you know, like the importance of finding people who understand their story and maybe have even experienced it themselves, who can kind of mm. create that bridge and have that empathy and that ability to kind of understand the awful things that they've been through. Um, and there were other things too, but how are we welcoming? As I really like that question you said, how are we welcoming back people or animals that have been away or been on the edges or been in the margins um, mm. because as long as our society is us and them and the haves and the have-nots and, and all that, we won't thrive because, you know, the whole will be broken. I think that's interesting. And also the idea of the idea of Sabbath comes up for me as we mm. talk about kind of us as a society and what do we need to um, renew and to reintegrate and refresh even and I think that the idea of Sabbath is there again kind of going back to the you know the early Genesis story of God apparently having made the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested and throughout different religious texts and, and other stories these kind of myths of um, resting and renewal whether it's mm. you know the, the flood myth Noah's Ark the kind of flood almost resetting the earth and the earth resting. And there are lots of examples of, of a reset and a refresh and a pause and a stop. I've been enjoying conversations I've been listening to recently on, you know, how the earth needs a Sabbath day or a Sabbath year. Um, again, in farming, you know, the idea of resting the land, leaving it fallow every few years to, to restore it, which goes back to what I was talking about earlier. But as a society, you know, how are we giving ourselves that Sabbath day, that Sabbath year? Some people have talked about covid being a chance mm. for a reset and yeah. i'm sort of partly drawn to that but i'm also conscious that for some people actually it's made things incredibly difficult and actually much worse and it hasn't been a rest and a reset at all it's been frantic scrabbling for income after a job has been lost or um loved ones being ill and perhaps even dying and it's i'm kind of conscious that these um, metaphors it's very easy to paint them around but actually it isn't true for everyone but nonetheless you know in some of the I think we talked about it in one of our earlier episodes some of the the work of the RSPB and kind of mm. you know more birdsong and, and nature renewing so perhaps there are elements of the last few months having been a sabbath for parts of the natural world and some people but yeah as a society what what does sabbath what does rest really look like um how do we get off that treadmill that it can be very addictive to be on and mm. step back and pause it's kind of yeah both at that kind of societal level and then it almost feels like at the individual level I'm kind of curious Elizabeth like what what when you sense the need for renewal you know what where do you go with that I guess as you say I do think of different levels I think of the individual so for myself quite honestly I think of actually feeling a need to pause and to step back and and choose the bits of work and choose the bits of my life that are giving me energy and you know practical things like income as well that I, I feel a bit of a need to do a bit of an audit and a refresh and a kind of you know choosing what I want to take forward and choosing maybe actually what has has it has had its season mm -hmm. um, 
and then yeah when I think of bigger you know, community society planetary level I think of um, certainly climate change right now um, and yeah I guess a kind of renewal of mindset really mm. going back to the idea of loving care and cherishing and how are we refreshing and restoring relationships even um, mm. in our community and certainly globally yeah. so that instead of um, being combative or oppositional we can be generative and, and loving and caring and I think really I think I may have talked about this before I do I do think we need the you know the, the tech and the money to sort these big messy challenges out but more than that and I think where the difficult work is is actually pausing and hearing each other and creating relationship and so hopefully creating a desire to sort of move through this together um, using all parts of society, you know, the people at the edges as well as the kind of usual suspects and the usual decision makers. And I think until we can do that, any solution's going to be, well, not complete. Yeah, it's important to spend time thinking about ourselves as individuals so that we can then sort of go out and serve the world and be in society, which then just kind of p- picking up on um, the kind of biblical theme that's been there a little bit. There's a quote actually from the New Testament of the Bible, and it says, um, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that, that seemed, for me, that really kind of speaks to me as an individual, Re- renewing our minds and, and being true to ourselves, maybe despite what's going on around us. Mm. Um, and Kat, I know you had some thoughts on renewal of the individual. Do you want to just pick up on that? Yeah, so... Yeah, I guess that, that quote is kind of pointed to more of a psychological. Um, I think where I'd like to go first, actually, is the physical mm, side of yeah. things. Mm. Just because I like my nerdy science facts, I feel like, you know, for those of you who enjoy them too, I'm going to give some. So. I enjoy them. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, when I started thinking about the topic of renewal, I thought about, you know, how do cells renew? How do you know, different body parts renew? Um, there's kind of an old adage that every seven years, our whole body is anew, right? That everything has changed. All our cells have renewed, our different body parts. Um, it actually sounds like it's more like every 10 to 15 years, mm. mo- most of our body renews. Um, not everything does, but I'll, I'll just share a, a few facts and then we can see where it goes. So this work is is drawing from the Swedish molecular biologist, Dr. Jonas Frissen, who studied body tissue renewal by measuring levels of um, a radioactive material called carbon-14. This is a kind of fortunate, I guess, bypass of nuclear weapons testing above ground, um, which was banned in 1963. But nonetheless, carbon-14 was out in the world and essentially was breathed in by plants, which obviously we as humans and animals eat. And it's now part of our DNA. And basically, carbon-14 um, is almost like a, a timestamp so they could use, uh, the researchers could use um, it to determine when human cells were created based on the level of carbon-14 in its DNA. So what they found was, yeah, that body cells largely replace themselves every seven to 10 years, which means essentially that old cells mostly die and are replaced by new ones during this time span. What I found, well, I, find I find it just kind of philosophically quite interesting to think that most of us changes every seven to 10 years. Mm. Um, I found it particularly interesting some of the the examples they gave of of the different timescales. So things like skin, you know, because obviously there's a lot of wear and tear, 
and it's kind of our protection in the world. It rejuvenates, the, the skin cells rejuvenate every two to four weeks. Uh, the liver, which is obviously having to do a lot of detoxification, renews itself with new cells every 150 to 500 days. Mm. So, we, you know, every couple of years we have a new liver. Whereas the cells that line the surface of the stomach and intestines are constantly being battered by things like stomach acids. And so only typically last up to five days. And whereas bones, kind of to completely renew, takes 10 years. Yeah, and I guess what I find interesting about these different, um, yeah, like time scales that different cells and different parts of the body, you know, renew at, you know, it's partly partly to do with their role and their environment. And, you know, I find it just really interesting to think about you know, this idea of every seven to 10 years, whether it's every 10 to 15 years and how we as humans can change, you know, it's a real pointer to, you know, personal development, you know, that, that we are able to, to change ourselves. We are as reflected very obviously by the fact that our cells can change. And mm. I guess a couple of things, and um, then I'll pass it back to you, there's one school of thought about um, chakra life cycles um, that we all go through. And interestingly, that those life cycles are every seven years. Mm. And they, they particularly focus on the first um, seven, lots of seven, so the first 49 years. And uh, I'll put a link to it in the, in the text if people are interested in this. But um, Elizabeth, I think you and I are both between, uh, well, on the sixth, uh, chakra kind of life cycle and this is where the inner philosopher is born so oh. between the ages of 35 to 42 oh I like that and it says here we begin to look for the meaning in everything we need to walk the walk we cannot just talk the talk anymore it's mm. the final battle between the wisdom of the heart and the wisdom of logic and I guess I just, you know, I, I, many people may be listening and be like, what on earth are they talking, what is that talking about right now? But, but I do think there's some wisdom actually in the kind of chakra system um, to be learned. And, and I do think it's interesting, like reflecting on how our constant renewal can also lead to our evolution as, as humans and individuals. And so, yeah, so going perhaps more scientific now and thinking about uh, neuroplasticity, uh, which is the capacity of nerve cells to biologically adapt to circumstances, um, essentially to respond to stimulation by generating new tendrils of connection, which are called synapses, to mm. other nerve cells, and to respond to deprivation and excess stress by weakening connections. And what I love about neuroplasticity is that um, it really underlies the capacity for learning and memory and it enables us to have flexibility both mentally and in terms of our behavior. So really viewing the brain as a dynamic organ and we can change our architecture throughout life. And I just think this is so important, you know, when we, you know, you and I are talking about big concepts sometimes and even just at the individual level and is all this stuff possible? I am who I am, you know, I can only do this amount. And, and yet our brains can adapt and we can grow and we can learn, you know, right into old age. Obviously, the other things may fade. Um, you know, my dad, unfortunately, had Alzheimer's. You know, it's not like the brain is constantly renewing. Mm. But but we that capacity to learn and to grow is there. Mm. I just, yeah, I find that really encouraging, particularly as we talk about some of these big issues, you know, that we can still improve. Mm. 
Yeah, a few things that are coming up for me as you speak about that. The last piece you said um, reminds me of the work of, I think it's, is it Carol Dweck and mm. um, growth, the growth mindset, um, mm. which I find really helpful. You know, we're not, it's not, um, we're not kind of restricted. We do have the ability to adapt and grow and evolve. Um, and if we kind of adopt that growth mindset, new things become possible. I can't remember all the detail of that off the top of my head, but we can post a link um, to that because I think it's quite interesting mm. work. Yeah, and uh, I love what you talked about, the kind of inner philosopher stage that we're both at and and the kind of the heart and the head coming together. And I think um, that's something I'm really interested in. You know, I am, I think uh, I'm a romantic in terms of, you know, I believe in, or I am, you know, passionate and I go a lot on feelings and intuition. Um, And yet I also know that I'm interested in the science and the logic and the kind of reason behind things as well. And I don't, I think I'm, definitely at a point now where I don't feel like I have to choose which version of myself I am actually if I can find a way to blend them together and that's something we've talked about for this podcast isn't it Kat you know how do we bring you know science alongside art alongside philosophy alongside you know other things and I think this feels like a really fun space to be exploring the you know the heart and the head side of of both of us it also makes me think Again, with that idea of not either or, in my um, work as a counsellor recently, I've been doing quite a bit on climate change and have got a couple of things signed off and actually happening recently, one of which was um, installing a hydroelectric turbine on a river, which will power our council offices with renewable energy, and also um, bringing in a big array of solar panels on the roof of our recycling centre. <laughs> and these are great things for that kind of big planet piece that we've talked about. But I've also noticed it's not just the kind of big stuff. It's actually helped me and other people individually because seeing those things happen, it's given individual hope and a sense of individual possibility, you know. OK, well, I've got that signed off. That's great. What else can I do as an individual? How can I how do I harness that hope and possibility I now feel and sort of channel that towards other things? So I'm noticing a real collective, but also individual hope and satisfaction that's coming through some of that work. So again, as we think about the role of us as an individual in some of this big complex stuff, I think it it is, we need both. We need the individual um, empowerment and sense of possibility to to facilitate the, the big picture collective change that we've talked about. Also, as you talk about kind of physically renewing um, our cells, it also makes me think of a perhaps more kind of lighthearted sense of renewal. I noticed that when we got on a call this morning, um, you've got a lovely new haircut and that sense of of physical renewal through the simple things like a haircut or a new outfit or a new colour or whatever it might be. In our home, we've um, recently converted our, it was a spare room, but we've turned it into um, an office space. Um, and painted the walls this lovely shade of green and I love it and it's so and it's full of books and it feels like a really nourishing space um kind of recognizing there's a lot more homeworking now and again just those physical things that are actually having quite a big ripple effect through work and everything so there's the kind of deep you know philosophical and, and neurological stuff but there's also the you know yeah the haircuts and the, the outfits which I love yeah and I think particularly at this time you know when mm. in a way you could argue we're going against the seasons we're going as I mentioned at the beginning we're going into winter when you know typically animals you know bears for example will kind of go into hibernation as a, as a way of helping to renew themselves you know come spring 
there's part of us that might want to go into that and that's that's there's something about kind of just leaning into that and there's also a part about you know it's, it's a difficult time with COVID and other things going on right now that yeah the little the little things that make us feel happy and I think particularly speaking as a mother you know I've I've had my hair tied back for three and a half years now <laughs> <laughs> so it's come it comes down about six times a year you know so yeah. it's fun to have it down again so mm. yeah it's kind of renewing perhaps some of our past of who we are but perhaps in some different ways going forward but mm. yeah this doesn't always have to be serious you're right absolutely yeah which then makes me think of a, a more light-hearted quote from the author Harper Lee who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird and she just said things are always better in the morning um mm. and you know kind of extrapolating that things mm. often feel better with a new haircut things <laughs> feel better with a new um whatever it is pair of jeans that I bought recently that uh, I, I have real trouble buying trousers and jeans and I've got a pair of jeans that are just the comfiest thing and I feel good nice. <laughs> um it's it is the little things which have I think a big impact on on the bigger things well it feels like a kind of nice place perhaps to to think about some takeaways then mm. you know what might be helpful to to our listeners as we think about the topic of renewal so for me I really I, I just keep getting drawn to those six dimensions um, mm. because I do think it gives the like a comprehensive view on things and I know that they're, they're specifically about health and well-being but I really feel they can you know be useful for renewal as well so it's perhaps taking a moment um, and some time away maybe in nature if you can get into it um, and kind of looking at where you're wanting some renewal whether it's psychological emotional physical spiritual social and or ecological and some of the things maybe beyond your control it's kind of looking for where you you can influence things you know for yourself for your family and friends around you for your community so yeah just kind of almost like doing a sense check of where you've just got that kind of renewal knocking <laughs> knocking on one of those dimensions the question that's popped into my mind um going back to something i was talking about earlier is um what does the idea of sabbath mean to you um mm. kind of recognizing that it's very hard to renew and regenerate if we don't have the nourishment the resources the energy to do that for me the idea of rest and pause and kind of restoration goes hand in hand with renewal and new life and so on so perhaps just play around with the idea of what does sabbath mean to you you know you might have a faith and that might sort of then touch on the kind of spiritual renewal mm. or um you might not have a um religious belief but but still that idea of sabbath and rest and pause what could that mean for you right now in your life or your work or your community um and what does you know like a field lies fallow what does being fallow mean right now to you mm. how do you like the soil how are you restoring yourself um, or your mm. community or your family whatever it might be so perhaps play around with that idea mm. and what I love I love about this topic is you know often we you know we'll talk about you know things you could do or ways of being and and actually here there are those options and there may be leaning into that that wintry season leaning into slowing down calling on that trust and hope you know that there will be the spring there will be the summer um and I, I just I'll finish my bit just uh with a quote from Ovid uh from Metamorphoses 
I think I'm about to read the exact same one. <laughs> That's so weird. I've highlighted it. <laughs> you but, say yours and I'll say if it's the Okay, okay. Well, if it is, that, that shows we're on the same page. That's yeah. good. It's about Wave. Have you got that one? Yes. Yes, okay. Shall I, shall I read it? Do it, do it, do it. Okay. And you can read it for me as well. Okay, so on behalf of both Elizabeth and me, mm. here, is, here is our ending quote for you to, mm. to just kind of enjoy. So as Wave is driven by Wave, and each pursued, pursues the wave ahead. So time flies on and follows, flies and follows, always, forever, and new. What was before is left behind. What never was is now, and every passing moment is renewed. Ditto. Ditto to that. Love that. We definitely are on the same page yeah. in our uh, seventh chakra. Yes, exactly. Brilliant. Um, thank you. I think that's a good place to end, recognising that we're now going to pause and go away and create something from this and then renew our energy for the next episode. Mm. And, um, yeah, so thank you if you've been listening to this. Thank you so much. And um, we do have a Facebook group that you're very welcome to join if you go onto Facebook and search Unfurling Podcast. And that's really a space for people to carry on the conversation or respond to things they've heard that have you know, particularly jumped out at them, share ideas, resources, ask questions. So you're very welcome there. Otherwise, thank you for being here with us today on Unfurling, a podcast that explores the power of the natural world to inform and inspire. See you next time. See you next time.